No, you're right, it is dead. We need to liven it up. I tell you what, Curtis, I will be your designated liver. So you tell me what you want me to drink for you, and then, Ken, you can be Peter's designated liver, and you have to drink what he tells you he wants. Do I ever say in this? Well... No, I like that. Let's start with some shots of tequila. Ah, good call. Yeah, my dad will have one of them. And uh, it's all right, we're not going to make you do the lime and salt bit. <laughs> so, Steve, how about me and you? We'll have a little wager on who's the last man standing. All right. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Welcome to episode 185 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street catch-up podcast that started the week not caring about Curtis and ended the week not really caring about Curtis. Mark the difference for me, please. It's an improvement, or at least an improvement of sorts. Mark the difference for me, please. I'm Gavin. Boo souls. Boo souls? Boo souls. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I know you don't. <laughs> Boo souls. Is that one word or two? To Boo. To the concept of souls. Oh. What are souls good for anyway? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I finished Succession this week, and that was a that was a line in the last episode of Succession was "boo souls." Oh, so did you enjoy it? I did as much as one can enjoy Succession. Right, I did. I think I might have enjoyed it better if this week didn't suck. This has been an awful week. It's been like the worst. It's the absolute worst. You know, we're looking at uh, the possibility of lockdown 2.0 or 2022 with Omicron just... Lockdown 3, isn't it? Freaking everywhere. The revenge of the the lockdown. Lockdown's revenge would be a better subtitle. Sorry. Well, we're going into a year called 2022. (laughs) Right. So that's because that's how numbers work. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to. There was this whole stupid TikTok thing yesterday that had like every school in America on high anxiety, but especially here in Michigan because the last major school shooting was here. Yeah, something in Michigan. Was, yeah. So Which feels close enough. Close enough. Yes. So. Yeah, it's it's been one of those weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then we have to put our kids on a plane in, in three days, four days. Oh, yeah, that's this week. Yeah. That's this week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's why I'm... Because next week's Christmas. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> really? I don't know. Is that an old thing? It and, just kind of creeps up on you. Well, and also I think I, I, we can blame climate change because two days ago it was 60 degrees. And 60 today, degrees and blown a gale. And today it's it's snowing. So the, the kids, one of the kids said the other day, you know, it doesn't feel like December. It feels like September. I thought it, was, it kind of had a bit of a March feel when I was walking the dog the other yeah, day. Yeah, it's, it's like... Where you feel springs just around the corner. Yeah. But not really. Or we haven't really hit winter yet. Hmm. So it's just. 
keeping it light. The world is going to hell in a handbasket, and and we're here to talk about Coronation, we're Coronation Street. Street. So we have the most. We're here to cheer you all up. The one important thing. Well, I don't think we're doing anything like that. So well, far. we will be later. And also, well, I made you that got something planned. I, I made that twenty twenty two joke because I've I've made a joke already. So the whole twenty twenty two thing. Yeah, mention it again. It gets funnier every time you say it. That's how that's how comedy works. That is how comedy works. It's Thank like you my, for it's like my, Ned's playing comedy to me. It's like my uh, invisible Billy thing. Yeah, that's that's where it gets a lot of likes or some likes, and then it kind of gets diminishing likes. And the sensible person would be just stop doing it, or but, go back to but, the tried and true Billy in places he's not supposed to be. But no, keep on doing it. Because it will eventually become funny again. Eventually, it will become funny. I again. I, I I liked the um. The love actually, Billy in places not it's not meant to be on the sweater. That was right. really good. That yeah. was Den that, is doing some incredible work. Yes. Yes. Bravo to Den. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she did the. Uh, she did a snowman one too. What I would like, Dan, if you're listening, is for you to do the snowman in the the Iron Brew commercial with with Billy, because Oof. that would be funnier. That would be tough to do, though. Because it's hilarious. I feel like I've learned a lot about Photoshop and putting Billy in places where he shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It's been a very educational process. Yeah, it's like, you know, when people ask me, uh, there's there's quite a few people who, you know, on Facebook, especially amongst the... The writer community who are constantly saying, which headshot should I use? And I'm always saying the one with the least crap in the background, because somebody's going to have to edit that photo mm-hmm. and crop it. And the less crap that's in the background, the easier it is to, to crop and, and resize and and move about and add to brochures and stuff. Or they, or they don't remove the background and then there's a thousand pictures of you we asked Chibaloopy behind you. Not you. No. But, but one. You know. Right. We've seen that before. Yes. Yes. So. Good times. Yes. Less crap in the background for your headshots, please. <laughs> Answering a question no one was asking. But. People of the world, especially poets. <laughs> Shall we preamble, Medea? Yes, please. Give me some of that lubricated Cory news. Lubricated? I said lube. Who said lube? I did. I must have missed that. You greet it. Oh, was that the chuba lube? There you go. It sounded like you said chuba lube, chuba lube, and I thought it was like a song by Chumbawamba or something. Excellent. So if I say something <laughs> quick enough and uh, incoherently enough, you'll tend to just agree with it. Mazel tov to Verity Henry, who played Rachel, the nail salon mogul. She and partner Adam Lawson welcomed baby boy Rudy Rocket. What? <laughs> This week. A new animated series? No. Rudy oh. Rocket Henry Lawson. That's his full name. R-O-C-K-E-T? Yes. Oh, as so in really as, Rocket then. As in the raccoon. I'm, I'm assuming they're naming him after the rac- raccoon or the vegetable. Either way. The couple has another wee boy named Cassius. So Cassius gets a wee brother, Rudy Rocket. Mazel tov to them. Christmas, sure. Christmas babies. That's going to be... Hell, every birthday. I used to know a girl whose birthday was uh, Christmas Day 
Yeah. And she said it was just awful because nobody gets your birthday presents and no. Christmas presents. They just get your present. Right. So you kind of lose out. Yeah. Think about how Jesus felt. When I was a wee boy, I felt like it would be double the presents. No. Not in Jennifer Marshall's house. That's like when you have Jewish friends growing up and you think they're so lucky because they get eight days of presents. But then you find out that... They get one-eighth <laughs> every day. Yeah. Right. The presents are generally crap. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Alison. Oh, God, does grown up suck as well? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Yeah, Stella hates it enough just having her birthday so close to Thanksgiving. Because her birthday turkey doesn't arrive? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Because, you know, friends will be out of town or, you know, busy with baking pies and stuff and not be able to hang out. Not that that was a, a problem this terrible year. Terrible excuse for not going to somebody's birthday party and baking a pie. <laughs> that, that they're not a friend. I'm going to say right now that that, that person is not your friend. <laughs> Unless they're baking the pie for you. Yeah, then they'd come at the party. Anyway. Charlotte Jordan, who plays Gal's favourite character, Daisy, Hooray. has a pretty spicy past. Did you know this? Spicy. Spicy, yes. Yeah. At 16, <laughs> I think I did. At 16, she was picked to join a girl group formed by Ginger Spice herself, Jerry Hollowell. Unfortunately, even though they recorded right. a number of songs, they never released any. And didn't work out. And the the band never had a name other than the band. But still, she got to work with was Ginger Spice. It's pretty cool. I like I like Jerry Hollowell. I think she's she's probably my favorite Spice Girl. <sighs> my favorite Spice Girl. Let me think. She was definitely my favorite. What is the criteria? She was definitely my favorite when they were the Spice Girls because she had the coolest clothes. I thought second would probably be scary. I was really not a fan of posh and, and sporty. I think the consensus amongst my friends was posh was more more popular at the start. Uh-huh. And then became less and less popular as time went on. Walk, looking back at that wannabe video, it's staggering how little she does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's just there. She just turned up. Sporty just kicks throughout the whole video. But she can sing. Yes, this is true. This is true. And I couldn't. I could never tell if she was trying to kick a soccer ball or if she was doing a karate kick. I think it was a karate kick. Ah, probably. Mm-hmm. And then there was Baby Spice. Yeah. Yeah. She's probably my third favorite, after Ginger and Scary. So your least favorite was Posh. Posh. Yeah. Who was your favorite? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. You don't know. You love the Spice Girls. You have a Spice Girls T-shirt. You you bought me a Spice Girls t-shirt. Nick bought you a Spice Girls t-shirt. Nick did? Yes. That was a Christmas present from Nick. Anyway, moving on. Finally. Corey was hit by more Ofcom complaints this week. Was it due to floating guns? The constant <laughs> gaslighting of female characters? Adam's long list of conquests? Nope. 54 people took the time to get up from their hospital beds and take off their <laughs> ventilators to call up Ofcom to complain about Tracy calling Paul an anti-vaxxer and conspiracy theorist. Superb. That was, that was one of my moments of the week last week. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Mine too. That was funny. It was funny. You've got to be able to make fun of yourself, surely. Right. Are you completely humorous? No. no. Laugh at yourself. It makes the world a, as long a as much you, easier place to As long as you in. have, you know, breath in your body. 
whether it's pumped in or not. <laughs> we kid. We kid. And that's Corey News. I think we managed to disguise how dreadful Corey News was by uh, rambling a lot about other things. Like the Spice Girls. Yeah. Good job. Our mailbag just quickly Canadian Helen wrote in to say I'm also very tired of the Curtis being sick storyline. He's more than a drip, he's the ice ball all melted. Thank you very much, Canadian <laughs> Helen. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And now we'll podcast for coffee. Is that a Snickers bar over there? There's a Snickers bar next to a Kit Kat. Those those are my little after lunch treats. Oh. It just looks like I'm hiding them. (laughs) Under a bag of masks. I'm totally hiding them. (laughs) Don't be surprised. My treats. Don't be surprised (laughs) if the the Snickers bar disappears Monday. It's the first Snickers bar I've bought in months, maybe years. That's not an ice cream Snickers. Yeah, I like the ice cream Snickers. I yeah. haven't bought a regular Snickers in a while, but I'm really enjoying Snickers just now. Yeah. Anyway, back to coffee. Back to your coffee. Thanks to <laughs> Alex for buying us our coffees this week. Woohoo! Uh, if you leave a private message, we won't read it out on air. If you mm-hmm. leave a public message, then we will. Okay. So there was no public message. There was a I, private I message? I don't even think there was a private message. So... If, <laughs> Are, I'm we, just, I'm just, are we saying that Alex is sending us like state secrets via private message? I, my lawyer is advising me <laughs> not to comment for fear of incriminating myself. No, <laughs> Alex just gave us the money for the coffees and be done with it. Which thank is you, that, Alex. Which is absolutely fine. And thank you very much, Alex. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying generally that's what the rules are. Mm-hmm. If you leave a message and you don't make it public, then we won't read it out. So, But if you do want to have a comment read out, Make it public. Make it public. Yeah. And also, if you want to buy us a coffee for next week, which will be recorded Our on Christmas, Christmas Day. Coffees. Right, so Spice maybe... Spice with ginger. Well, ginger, maybe a little bit of whipped cream in there as well. Woo-hoo. Some hundreds and thousands. Some mocha, maybe. Yeah, a couple mm. of Snickers bars. Peppermint. Stir it with a candy cane. If you want to do that for us, well, <laughs> how blessed are we at Christmas? <laughs> You can go to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Five bucks will get us a couple of coffees and we will be very appreciative, just mm-hmm. like we are for Alex buying us our coffees this week. What you're drinking your coffee out of or it's just your little floral thing? Yeah, it's just the, the tulips and the, the butterflies that came from my dad's ex-fiance. Right. I'm drinking my coffee out of a, the talk of the street mug. Because I'm so on brand. Yes, and less interesting. <laughs> it's just generally... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now hindsight corner. We got terribly confused last week about when we released last year's festive episodes. <laughs> I think I managed to say Christmas Eve and Boxing Day at the same time, which doesn't I, make any sense. Doesn't seem to be possible. We released our festive episodes on Boxing Day and New Year's Day last year, so uh-huh. the, the, this year's equivalent will be. Uh, Christmas Day ahead of the Christmas Day episode and New Year's Day ahead of the New Year's Day episode, I think. It's all terribly confusing. We'll just get stick to recording this on a Saturday morning. Probably. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And now, this.
Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about the talk of the street. Oh, this was Gary saying the talk of the street, which gave us our first clip for our new theme song. Yep. This was Gary chatting with Maria about Adam getting twatted over the head in the bistro with an award of sorts. I was gathering you were, ugh. You yeah. had a bad week last week. Last so, year. Last year, so you had nothing clever or witty to insert. It was the anniversary of her friend Nadine's passing. It was the debut of your fourthborn, though. The Roomba. That we wondered might be becoming sentient. Uh, it wasn't the anniversary of Nadine's death. It was Nadine's death. She died last year. That's right. So this is the anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that made this week terrible. We became less worried about the robot uprising if it meant that the robots would be wandering through rooms, bumping into things, dragging lamp cords behind them and pushing wee bits <laughs> of cat shit along the floor. <laughs> Terminator would have been a very different movie had Roomba been involved in it. There is no cat shit on our floor. And we got a good five minutes out of that. <laughs> At any given time, one Cory resident is contractually obliged to be in an induced coma, and this week it was the turn of Adam to be out for the count while everyone on the street behaves suspiciously enough to be a prime suspect in his twatting. Paul is twice convinced to break help desk rules by a kid whose only acting credit up to that point was playing the dog in The Wizard of Oz. Shona and Simon are best friends now, and so celebrate this by breaking into the bistro and stealing well-garnished cocktails. This is what burst... The Trapped in the Bistro with Simon, with Simon Barlow. Barlow t-shirt. Yes. Oh, they flew off the shelves. Yes, they did. Onto my back. <laughs> and then never sold another one. Oh, Still available. Still available. Get your get your Trapped in the Bistro with Simon Barlow t-shirts. They make a great Christmas gift. Now that it's a year after the event, right. and it makes even less sense right. to your neighbours and friends than it did at the time. Still, it's a well-designed shirt. It looks nice. Yeah. Tim's mum tells Tim to resurrect his window cleaning business in an attempt to make him forget that he'd asked her to move in with him and Sally. Right. None of that really happened, did it? No. Well, no, because, because his only employee, Faye... Got put in prison. Rihanna's grown tired of Toya and Nick walking on eggshells around her when it comes to their own child-related storylines because Nick had Sam and Toya was starting to think about fostering. the old fostering thing. And Billy's moonwalking has come on leaps and bounds. Daisy is an evil stepdaughter and Gail decorates the toilet. Our moment of the week was Sarah's monologue to Adam in a coma and then tipping off the police about Gary. And a boring moment of the week... <laughs> to which nothing happened. No. Gary still walks the street. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unabated. <laughs> and our boring moment of the week was Brian's stupid high-rise, low-rent sign, which brought this show to a standstill while characters discussed the grammar. And and now we're we're back to housing issues as a as a main plot point. That's the time of year for it. It is. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Yes. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes. Our first storyline this morning is Councillor Maria. How do you solve a counsellor like Maria? No. Or Maria. I've just met a counsellor named Maria. I saw West Side Story this week. Counsellor Maria, then. <laughs> now, this I'm a better singer than Ansel Elgort. I'll just say it right now. Now, <laughs> this week's episodes were a little... You'll, you've been, I've even noticed this. Uh-huh. But they weren't on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. No. We got half hours on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then mm-hmm. we got that hour on Friday. Thanks to a little show called Walk the Line. Yeah, which 
Coronation Street people were up in arms about. Now, there are some shows that I hate watch. Uh-huh. How I Met Your Mother being the classic example. Yes. I also include Danny Dyer's The Wall and Michael McIntyre's The Wheel. Added you, to this list now, is, is Walk the Line. Saved by the Bell on that list, or you, you just watch the... the, the Zach Morris's trash. I yes. just watched that. Yeah. Ah. On Monday, Sally's struggling to keep up with all the comings and goings in the Christmas market. She has radical vegans and mechanical Jesuses to deal with, but she takes the time to invite Maria along to a council press conference to make her pitch for the Clear Air campaign. She, she also throws Maria under the bus with Mary. Because Mary's like, why am I here across from the tattoo parlour? Why would people who get tattoos want a Christmas wreath? Which is really... Mary, that's very... It's very 1950s of you to say. Yeah, it's not just sailors and prostitutes. Right. We have tattoos. And and we also have Christmas wreaths. Later, Mary is complaining about her Christmas wreaths being less popular than Mechanical Jesus. I really wish we would have... made me think of the Beatles, but... I really wish we'd gotten to see the Mechanical Jesuses. Their heads popped off or something, didn't they? People were buying them left and right. Yeah. Did they fly... I feel like maybe they flew. I feel like they flew. Yeah, just one. Just one. I would have liked to have seen just one. You'd think that they would put one together for us to see and somebody be carrying around. I don't believe there was any mechanical Jesus. No, of course there wasn't. So Maria tells Sally she's a little concerned about the press conference. Gary gives her a vote of confidence and the two go off to brainstorm or something. Which was nice. It was. It's nice to see Gary actually being supportive. Or so we think. Gary's hiding in the shitter at Nina Rolls while Sally gives Maria her wealth of experience about press conferences. Basically, just keep repeating yourself. It's the. It's, it was it's a the lingering Donald, bit of advice. It's the Donald Trump school of politics, right there. <laughs> oh, he just keeps on talking until people. Right, you just repeat yourself over and over again until people believe you. It doesn't matter if you're what you're saying is true or not. Maria thinks she could learn a lot from Sally. After his shit, Gary explains how proud he is of Maria for getting off her arse and doing something. And then Mary comes in and apologises for earlier and leaves Maria with a mahoosive clipboard, which is bigger than Sally's, yes. as, a, as a confidence booster. Yes, it used to be her mother's. She used it for judging vegetables. Now, this is Tuesday, but I'm going to pretend this is Monday because it really is just the second half of Monday's episode. But Sally's press conference is really meeting Suki from the Weather Gazette and the Rovers. Sally's a bit of a nightmare comparing herself to Thatcher and doing a fair Thatcher impression, it has to be said. There were many references to Thatcher this week. But in doing so, she completely dismisses Maria as an idiot and poo-poos the fresh air campaign thing. Maria is fuming and Suki looks pretty pissed off too. And later, Maria has had, and later, Maria has had a few mulled wines with Gary, so seems a bit more chill about the situation, but he suggests that she sticks to her original plan and runs in the election against Sally. Gary Sa- thinks Sally, Sally has- talked her out of running on purpose. Yes, which is exactly what happened. And Sally has an alphabet, has a has a Weatherfield alphabet that starts with A is for Allahan. Because mm-hmm, she does a lot of local shopping. Right, yes, in between the big shops. B is for... P- <laughs> Barlow? Beer? I don't know. She struggled to think of something that began with C, which I thought was hilarious. Well, yes, yes, because... <laughs> She's like, C is four, and I was yelling, cunt! You were? What, watching? I wondered why you C were shouting for cunt! That's what you were supposed to think, without saying it. I was all alone in my bedroom, so I could yell cunt. Can you stop saying cunt, please? 
cunt. On Wednesday, Sal is preparing for her Q&A in front of Tim, who doesn't care. He's been distracted by news that Weather County are replacing their pie stand. She's interrupted by a guy at the door representing a company who are looking to build a development on the Red Wreck and seem keen to grease Sally's palm. She sa- he Beaver says, Run! What an unfortunate name for, for deluxe quality high-rises. Beaver run. He says all the right things to flutter her into contemplating an endorsement. And they cast him really well because he looks like a slime ball. Beaver anything is an unfortunate name for a quality high rise luxury apartments. It's all furry on the outside though. (laughs) With massive teeth. If Sally publicly backs the Beaver's Nook development, it may aid her progress onto the council. Tim thinks this is shamocracy, and you're right. Also, a Beaver's Nook is is all wet and damp and covered in sticks. Especially when the guy offers her first refusal on the show home. Tim wants people to think of the pie stand, and the guy can get him tickets to the Weather County Christmas party. It also smells of fish. The Weather County Christmas party? No, a Beaver's Nook. Oh, you're still talking about that. In the Rovers, Maria is chatting over running for the council with Fizz, who thinks she'd make a difference. She doesn't specify good or bad, but just a difference. Tim comes in and Maria's furious to learn that Sally is backing the Beavers thing development. Right, yeah, because it'll take even more green space away from the children. And the well, no one, Well, no one think of the children. No one's thinking of the children, Helen. Except for no Maria. One. So Maria goes to complain to Sally for not sticking up for green spaces. Sally points out that the houses will have massive gardens, so that makes it okay. <laughs> Think of the children, Sally. The children who won't be in those gardens. Maria doesn't think that's the same thing and that Sally's sold out. So Maria has decided on the spot she's going to run for herself. She's going to run for her life. Sally doesn't think Maria has the necessary experience. Diplomacy, grit, determination or charisma. Maria thinks it's not the United Nations, Sally, and she has principles, which Sally doesn't seem to have. And she reminds Sally of the raid development last year because there are very much right. uh, comparisons to be made Absolutely. There. Also, Maria is very diplomatic because sometimes Brian walks in and wants her to make him look like Brad Pitt. Or just wants to talk. <laughs> At the Q&A, Sally ignores any cues that Maria has, but when answering a question about mobility scooters... She steals Maria's thunder about air quality. Maria butts in and asks about her previous experience in politics, which allows everyone to note that she went to jail. Mm-hmm. The mobility scooters thing was quite funny because Sally was treating them like they were major causes of climate change and the greenhouse effect, wasn't she? No, I think she was saying that they're better for the environment because they are better for the environment because they take they use less greenhouses. Oh, I heard that completely differently. Yeah. I heard it like That's she, why she, she, brought wanted it. To, she wanted to she, eradicate them. No, she's like, I understand that they can be annoying, but we have to think of the environment. And that's why we have the scooters that get just, you know, left randomly on side streets and, and roads all, all over East Lansing and Lansing and Okemos. That's not the mobility scooters that she's talking about. Yeah. No, it's not. The mobility scooters are the scooters that some people have to sitting to go around the supermarket no i don't think that's what she's talking about because because bernie was complaining about the ones on the street she's talking about mobility scooters those aren't those aren't those are scooters those aren't mobility scooters same thing that isn't the same thing it's completely different then why would she even bring up the environment that's a joke (laughs) that doesn't even make any sense it made sense to me apparently 
Heading home with Gary, Maria promises to play clean in her fight for the council. Sally is angry with Tim. She didn't get a chance to publicly back the Beaver Thing development thanks to him, and she's ready to take the fight to Maria now. On Friday, Gary goes to see Tim, who has turned into Rekabin Tim as he's finishing Sally's half-eaten roll out of the trash. The two of them complain about their power-hungry women folk, and Tim inadvertently mentions that planning permission has been granted for a new Weather County training ground, but before running up the stairs of Discovery for a shite. That dodgy role is playing havoc with his digestive system. Yeah, he's, you know, he doesn't like to waste food, and also aluminum foil does not belong in the trash, it belongs in the recycling. But then catches super spy Gary on the phone to Maria with the scoop about the training ground. Right. Hurriedly, Gary leaves. But later he returns with an alcoholic peace offering. Yes. But Tim thinks the trust is gone in the relationship now. Gary blames Maria and suggests that they head to the pub for some non-political discourse. And no Oasis chat neither because it's still 1997. <laughs> yes, and one of them is Team Liam and one of them is Team Noel. And I can't remember which one was which. Gary is Liam and... Tim is Noel. Liam sang the songs, but Noel, Noel wrote, wrote the, the songs. songs. And was slightly less <laughs> less of a prick, although I think he's the one who's anti-vax now. So it's... I think they're both pricks. Probably. I mean, they are brothers. Yeah. Meanwhile, Maria is with Phil with two L's in the Rovers and grabs James, explaining her campaign pledges and how she's running against Sally. She asks him for endorsement, but James explains that he's not allowed to get involved. Phil with two L's smells her at and promises to look into this. Right, yeah, because he's very specific about he, he he can't get involved with any... Anything to do with our development. Right, yes. Which uh, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, but it's very specific. The club would say, don't get involved in this. Well, you'd think that the club would say, don't get involved in any politics. Yeah. But not be very specific about anything that has to do with the development. That's the fishy part. Right. Phil with that two L's is on the case, though. Yeah, and I think he's just the man to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'm having trouble with my new glasses, focusing on my iPad. There we go. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the right angle for my progressive lenses to to be progressive. Focus. There we go. Just don't move my head. <laughs> so Gary and Tim arrive. Tim blaming Maria for getting Gary to mine him for information. He feels violated until Gary bribes him with a hot pot. With a hot pot. Right. And then has on himself because yeah, Maria's making something that sounds atrocious for dinner because she's a woman. Bulgur wheat. A bulgur wheat, wheat risotto, which actually sounds delicious. Maybe not made by Maria, but it does. I like bulgur wheat and I like risotto. So you, you put enough cream and, and onions and garlic into something, it's going to be delicious. <laughs> to hide the taste of everything else that's in it. Yeah. Well, bulgur wheat, like rice doesn't really taste of anything that's kind of the point of them isn't it you don't think rice tastes of something no not really it tastes of rice but all starches are basically just a palate upon which to dump stuff yes so the clash of the titans that is sally and maria yeah i'm glad that this is back on I, I, this is so much better than than Maria being Sally's lackey. I was disappointed in Sally being Thatcher. Thatcher's did, by the way. Yeah, but she is. You stop. found that out on the shitter. I, I looked it up. I looked up before we started the podcast. Just, just sure. to make sure she was still She's dead. Still dead. Yes. Um, and I, and I, when I'm thinking about it, of course she is. Sally wouldn't be, although I think she probably would have been at the time, but I think Sally probably was a Tony Blair fan. 
but mm. she's definitely Thatcher. Yeah. Not when she was grown up. I think she's become that as she's got older. Yeah, because that's what happens, right? And right. people become, become more, more conservative, conservative as yeah. they grow up. Yeah. You're more conservative than you used to be. I think I'm more liberal than I used to be. So who are you rooting for then? <laughs> I think even though I am very Sally-like, except for the whole conservative bit, I think I'm going to have to go with Maria. I'm seeing an awful lot of votes going that way. Yeah. Because I think people are just kind of tired of Sally and they kind of just roll their eyes at her behind her back because she's just so very gung-ho, but also has a stick stuck up her arse. I think as a character, Sally is better than Maria. Just like I think that Sally is better than Kirk. Because because typically but, Maria and Kirk are very one-dimensional comedy characters. Yeah, but, but now it but kind of when, seems like Maria is becoming more dimensional. But when Sally was going up against Kirk, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, and I think I'd probably include myself in this, kind of wanted Kirk to win because it brings Sally down a peg or two. Right, yeah. And yeah. I think that's the important part. It's Trump and Hillary all over again, isn't it? You just want Sally brought down yes. a peg or two and just... Bring down the woman who's too big for her pants. Have it. But what, by another woman who's not too big for right, her pants. Right, yeah, at least this time it's by another woman who's not too big for her pants. And not a football mascot as it was when Kirk was involved. Right, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I can I can probably go along with that. Yeah, Maria actually does have a platform. She has something that she's fighting for and, and she seems genuine. She's She seems like she's moved beyond the, I'm going to fight climate change by beating up this van. You know, she seems to actually have ideas and want to change things and understands how the process works a little bit better. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she's currently cut out for it, but I think she can become it. Yeah. Yeah. I think she has a desire to put her mind to it. Right. Yeah. And like Maria and men, when she puts her mind to something, she has a track record of getting it. Hmm. So yeah, and it's it's much better for her to be like this than, you know, being dumb and jumping into bed with people. Right. I think the way Which the county... she can't do because she's married now. I think the way the county angle is... Interesting. Is interesting. And maybe that's where Maria gets her... Her advantage comes from whatever Phil with two L's can dig up. Because it seems right. like there might be something a little corrupt going on here a little untoward and if maria is the one that unearths it right especially when sally is kind of backing it yeah then that's maybe what's going to swing it yeah but it's something corrupt involving weather county though so some people will be like eh who cares well yeah if it was real life nobody would care no but and i think even in the in the soap there will be people who say yeah but you know weather county gets a benefit out of it so it's fine you kind of touched on this as well. The Maria and Gary, let's remember, they're still married. They are still married. And and are they getting on now? It seems like they're getting on. Yeah, it sounds like they're getting on and he's being supportive now and, and instead of, you know, bitching because she's not paying attention to him. Well, he was a little dismissive of her to Tim, but do you think that was just to get that the information from Tim? That was just to get Tim? the information from Tim. Yeah, it sounded like it. Very good. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that story. Sally had some cracking lines. Did I indeed when she's standing on her on her doorstep, yes. which I thought was quite funny. Looking evil. Very evil. A little golemish, I thought. My mm. precious. 
Because Gollum was Yogi Bear, apparently. <laughs> Which was <laughs> not even that's not even Yogi Bear. This is Yogi Bear. Boo boo. I thought. Hey, yeah. hey, boo boo. Let's go steal some um, picnic baskets. Oh, your Jimmy Stewart. That's not even close to my Jimmy Stewart, and Moving you on. know it. Moving on, then. Our next storyline is Boys of Summer. On Monday, the deputy... That's, that's not a creepy title at all. Not at all. Well, had, it was Summer Loving last week. Which is even worse. Right, so it's an improvement. Are, are you going through all of the summer songs? Yeah. The deputy has turned up to Daniel's flat. He's hurriedly trying to tidy it up. She wants to informally let him know that the guidelines have to be followed and he won't be able to get up to anything dodgy with Summer for a while and he's been assigned a mentor. She doesn't want to lose Daniel. He's a good teacher, apparently. And also, they there's a there's a teacher shortage. Yeah, better the so, devil you know. Right. Just knock it off with the with the young pupils, but not like that. On his way to work, Daniel passes by someone who knows she's not supposed to talk to him, but, but she, talks, she to talks, him talks to him anyway. anyway. Daniel puts his fingers in his ears and runs away while shouting la 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 la. Summer wonders how Daniel running away with fingers in his ears while shouting la 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 will affect her chances with Oxford. <laughs> At school, Summer tries to apologise to Addy for dumping him. He takes it sarcastically well, admitting that he couldn't really compete with her one true love, the school teacher twice her age. For someone really smart, you can be thick as fuck, he says. And Summer wonders how being thick as fuck will affect her chances with Oxford. In class, though, Summer's distressed to see that someone has written Mr. Osborne is a fanny on the whiteboard. No, Mr. Osborne loves Summer. On Tuesday, at home, Summer's dressed like a tablecloth. Billy thinks she looks fab, which is Summer's first red flag. She so <laughs> shows him a picture of Daisy, thinking this is a template for looking amazing. Billy points out that she's been photoshopped to fuck. Summer worries that Billy, thinking Daisy's photo has been photoshopped to fuck, might ruin her Oxford chances. <laughs> Billy suggests a slap-up meal in the bistro with Paul to help Summer forget her woes. So Daniel is having lunch with Ken in the bistro. Because of course he is! To tell them to keep the faith, despite the graffiti on his whiteboard calling them a prick. When Summer, Paul and Billy show up, Ken and Daniel hurriedly leave. There's a lot of hurriedly leaving by the Barlows from the bistro mm -hmm. this week. After dinner, Summer has polished off her dirty burger and remarks how nice it is that she can eat normal again. At this, a waiter walks by, remarks that Summer's eating the pattern off the plate and makes oinking noises as he walks off. Summer <coughs> makes an insolent excuse and runs off home. Paul and Billy are too caught up in how great they both are because they can be friends to notice any of this. <clears throat> Does this mean they're getting back together, no, do you probably. think? Ugh. Back in the flat, Summer tries to take some selfies of herself, all like Daisy, but gives up after tugging at her clothes for a bit and goes off to throw up. And she's just finishing off as she's uh, as Billy comes home, excited for her Oxford interview tomorrow. <sighs> and Summer worries that being excited for her Oxford interview will affect her chances with Oxford. And that brings us on to this week's hard debate. We think Summer might have applied for a place at Oxford. Can't be sure. Was it Oxford? But which uni do you think she'll end up at? Oxford? The University of London. London? The University of Manchester. Manchester? Or Weatherfield Polytechnic. Polytechnic? I think I went with Polytechnic because it, it was, just seemed funnier. It was interesting that, I mean, this, this poll ran for a day and I think it was 
at least 10 hours in before someone voted for Oxford. <laughs> Nobody up until that point thought that she was going anywhere near Oxford. Should have put like University of Pennsylvania or something in there too. Yeah. Something weird. Or Gonzaga. You should have put Gonzaga in there. That's a cheese. So. <laughs> That's. The voting was thus. Oh, don't. You were about to correct me. You just can't help yourself. The voting was I thus. I stopped myself, though. But it was in your throat. <laughs> it wasn't it my was throat. in your throat. You it could wasn't tell. The voting was thus. Oxford and the University College of London. London! Got 7.2%. University of Manchester got 30.4%. And the winner by a mile was Weatherfield Polytechnic with 55.1%, which would mean that Summer stays in the show. Mm. So right. I think that's probably right. Yeah. I am. Um I'm not happy about this storyline. No. I'm I'm kind of sick and tired of, of watching and or listening to women throw up in toilets. We we have enough of that from the crown and also Spencer. So yeah. it's 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 enough. We we don't we don't need this. We already knew that she was having body image issues because because of Daniel loving Daisy and just, you know, being a girl in in the world. A young girl, yeah. You know, it's interesting that they're that they're kind of putting in this whole thing that there have been recent studies done about how Instagram affects and social media in general, but mostly Instagram affects, you know, girls self esteem. Yeah, absolutely. And stuff. I don't think we needed a, a study to know that. Right. Well, I mean, there are also girls <laughs> who gain a lot of self-esteem from Instagram and social media. We're raising one. Of course, everything gives her a boost of self-esteem. Yeah. She has no self-esteem problems. Nope. Never will. Nope. <laughs> but anyway, not, not all girls are as blessed as Stelly. When I was out for uh, lunch with Steve, uh-huh. uh, I, somebody who knows me but I don't know them uh-huh. came up to me. And said, oh, I see pictures of your Steli on, on Facebook. Oh, that is, you just tell her just to keep on doing what she's doing. She's marching to the beat of her own drum. Her dress sense is just, it's so, it's so unique and it's so stylish and she suits it so well. And I'm not telling Steli a single <laughs> word of that because that's the last thing she needs to hear. Because she already knows, because people will stop, people she does it, strangers on the street will stop her. And tell her how much they love her hat. A FedEx driver mm-hmm. driving by s- slowed his truck down to yell, Fix. "Nice!" I'm not sure. I'm happy with that, but anyway, <laughs> nice hat when she was wearing her one of her cowboy hats. Yeah. So I like ha- that aspect, but the whole I don't need to hear another girl throw up on television. I really just don't. I don't need that. We had the whole diabetes thing, right? Yeah, this how, is how going does to... that sit with us? I don't. I can't imagine that these two things sit comfortably together. They don't. This is going to play. She's going to end up in the hospital again. Right. Faster than a typical bulimic would. Yeah, her her interview. It's tomorrow. I, I think in terms of the show, should have happened on Friday. Yeah. But it'll happen on but Monday. I don't think it did, and, the, and therefore probably will be Monday. So the big things on Monday will be. The the wedding and and Oxford. I don't mind the self esteem stuff because it's good. 
that we have somebody other than Asha having issues with self-esteem on the show. I'm happy about that. I'm kind of not happy that it's summer because summer a year ago or even two years ago seemed to be the most level-headed of the young girls she of the was, street. She was above all this. Right. All this stuff of social media and mm-hmm. and peer pressure. Yeah, she didn't care. It was really below her. Right. It was, she seemed the most mature and level-headed of the bunch. Now Amy's the most mature and level-headed of the bunch. New Summer did draw a, a penis on a teacher's car. She did do that. Did she, she? She was caught up in that whole thing early early doors. Mm. But this was not a, a, a character change for her. That was very much out of the ordinary, and I don't think she's really done anything anything close to that. So no, I, I don't. I don't. You hit an age though, and those things. Start to hit you. Yeah, you become a, a slightly different person, mm. kind of overnight. When all of a sudden things that didn't bother you suddenly bother you, but uh, I don't know. I just summer's annoying me greatly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be quite happy when she doesn't get to Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> but having that, there's a moment in the Karen Carpenter storyline where she reads something that uh, she's described as the chubby drummer. Uh-huh. And she goes, chubby? Hmm. Right. And that sends her down her own eating right. disorder yeah. route. And this one, we had a little bit of Daisy looking, I don't know, was she supposed to look super skinny in the photographs? I don't think she did. But uh, Yeah, she's not she just She's not necessarily a super skinny character. She's quite curvy. But then we had the In a the good waiter. way. She's then we had the waiter walking by basically saying, oh, yeah, oh, your burger, you porker. And that's what made her go back <laughs> right, to the Right, but I, ju- I don't I even think... It was just so clumsy. I don't even think that's necessarily what... You know, when when you're... When you have a kid and the kid eats everything on their plate and you compliment them for eating everything on their plate, like, wow, where did you put that away? Because you're so tiny. Yeah. That, or you enjoyed your meal. Right. I'm, glad I'm so that glad you that you enjoyed, your, enjoyed your, meal. your meal. By drawing attention to the fact that you've eaten it. Right, yeah. So it I just, don't think he was, you know, insinuating anything. I don't think it was bad at all, but the way that she's heard it, that's how right. she heard it. Yeah. And just to have this poor guy just walk by who's, who's never, never been, been on the show before, and never, never will be seen again. Right. Because later on, the only person available to wait tables at the bistro is Debbie. Who owns eight hotels. And half Why is she bistro. waiting tables? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and can't she move some of the staff around her eight hotels to wait tables for a couple of hours? Right. Yeah, you'd think. I'm not complaining because... Because Debbie's great. The more great. Debbie, the better. Yes. But it just doesn't make yes. any sense. No. Right then. Moving on to our next storyline this morning is Curry Wars. On Monday, Zidane and Yasmin are as cheery as fuck in the morning. Alia is the opposite, still racked with guilt about Hashim's death. Then Zidane gets a call and hopes that it's good news. <laughs> Later, Ed meets Zidane at Speeddal and they talk about the repairs. Alia really wants the place open before Christmas, as does Ed, because of his belly. And privately, <laughs> Zidane tells Alia that the insurance company are covering everything. Result. It's it's so nice that, you know, one of the places that's experienced a fire in the past year is is getting, you know, a fresh coat of paint and, and redone. Unlike... Unlike Emma's apartment that still has burn marks and water, you know, stained water dripping down the, (laughs) down the trill wall. Nobody cares. (laughs) 
Hope he wants what? to fix it. No. Why would you not just, you know, buy a can of paint and slap some paint on those walls? Just right. peel off that wallpaper. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with these people? This happened months ago. This was... Yeah, this, this, it was the summer. I thought it was the summer or maybe the autumn. It was maybe the autumn. Early autumn because it was, you know, Alina was, was, was still here. And it was bright outside. Yeah, Alina was still here because it was her crib. Remember when she was, when Alina was a thing? She was going to... Alina? She was going to have a baby? Who? Alina. With who? Tyrone. What? Who still lives with Emma. <sighs> I love the fact that Tyrone still lives there. <laughs> Me too, actually. I think Emma and Tyrone are are are, are funny together with their scenes together. I just like, I like Tyrone being involved with the young crew. Right. That's just because he's such a granddad now. <laughs> and at the moment in classic Corey, he's oh, well, he's twenty years younger. Right. He's a, basically a boy. Uh-huh. He's just got a job working the cave, right. and he's got himself a dog, Aww. and that's all he cares about. And this is how I, I, I seem to remember how we, he and Maria end up getting together. Oh. But he has he has grown up on the show to become this kind of middle aged man, but he's still hanging out with the. With the young people. With Emma and Amy, who probably turns up right. all the time. And, and, and Curtis. And Curtis. But Curtis makes him look so, good. So he's just like the, the guy who thinks he's a cool middle-aged guy that's that's living in a... He's flat-sharing with these 20-odd-year-olds. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Alias grumpy trousers about the insurance and refuses to see the bright side. In speed dial, Zidane is clearing up, trying to find stuff to salvage. And as he does this, his wife... Mariam comes in, shouting that her brothers have been arrested for torching the place on her dead dad's orders. What gives Zidane? Mariam thinks this was revenge for Zidane's theft. Zidane is sorry for her loss and also for cheating on her. He's regretted it since it happened. She needed to see a friendly face today. It's against the rules to see him, apparently. But when did she do anything by the book? Right. And we don't know you, love, so we have absolutely no idea. Right. But she seems lovely, though. How How on earth did... Hashim have this this lovely daughter who who seems to be kind of out of the loop as far as his criminal masterminding. My only question out of scene Mariam in the first scene where or the first couple of scenes where <clears throat> you don't know how Zidane's going to take it, you don't know how she's going to take it. They uh-huh. seem to be adult about it. Right. And Zidane is <coughs> punching way above his weight. He's definitely punching. But um why on earth would he cheat on her? Yeah. Because she seems absolutely delightful. She does. She seems absolutely delightful. Well, they kind of talk about that later, about how he, it was really because of her father and her brothers being dicks to him that he cheated, which doesn't doesn't really make sense. sense. But, you know, it's a reason. Yasmin is glad this whole sorry situation is over and Zidane can put Hashim and his past behind him and then in walks Zidane with Mariam. So Yasmin has to introduce herself. I'm Yasmin. I'm Zidane's granny. I thought they went to the wedding. Didn't they go to the wedding? No. They were going yeah. to go to the wedding. It was in Spain, remember? But Tim's yes. dad said no. Or but Tim's then dad he said was going yes. To go. Yeah, and then he wanted to go then too. Hadn't booked anything. But then they did book something, didn't they? It's so confusing because Alia booked it for her and Yasmin. And they did go away. And come back again? I don't think they went to Didn't it. Didn't they? I don't think they went to it. I think Yasmin stayed. 
didn't Tim's dad lock her in the house or something and stop oh, her going away? God, because... I don't even, I don't even want to remember. But no. Alia seems to know her. Alia doesn't introduce herself. They seem to know one another already. Yasmin has given Mariam the grand tour of the house, including the orangey, without any oranges. Yes. And the two seem to be getting on famously. Yes. Mariam goes for a shite in the stranger's house, which is absolutely fine, which leaves Alia to say five obvious words to Zidane. You've never taken a shite in a stranger's house before? Oh, no. <laughs> I do it all the time. No. Do you? Yes. What's wrong with you? When you need to take a poo, you need to take a poo. It's a human thing to do. You poo in the morning when you get up. Not everybody does that. Not everybody's you, and a then robot. You don't poo again, because <laughs> the worst thing you can do is poo in a stranger's house. In a stranger's house, uh-huh. like in estate sales. Oh my god! What is wrong with you? Ask permission first. Is it all right if I use your bathroom? For like, a shite? Yeah, fine. You say for a shite? I'm not. No, I don't specify. Who specifies? Well, the way that you're behaving, I'd say you would. <laughs> it's bad enough doing it in somebody's house that you know. Would you rather do it in your pants? It's close. <laughs> I would run out and go to a McDonald's. <laughs> I'd rather poo there. You're hilarious. Going to somebody's house that you don't know. Right? They're not there. <sighs> what if it doesn't flush? I mean, there's so many, so many things that you have to take into consideration. <sighs> Some of these places not flushing would be I an feel, improvement. I feel like I don't know you. <laughs> anyway, Mariam goes for a shite in a stranger's house, which leaves Arya to say five obvious words to Z. What the actual fuck are you playing at bringing the daughter of the man who we let die come round to our house? Or the man that we murdered by letting die. Did they murder him? Alia seems to act like they murdered him. I don't think it's murder. I don't think it's murder either. I think I think failing, <laughs> least, failing to save someone's life is a different thing at from least murdering he didn't, them. At least they hadn't been married for like 20 years and he had a heart attack on a Peloton. That's a reference to another show you haven't watched. Oh, by the way, I think it took until Thursday to for me to understand what your Nancy Reagan jokes were about last week. <laughs> <laughs> and well done. <laughs> Thank you. Stop it. Brings a whole new meaning to the phrase. <sighs> Nancy Reagan sucks as an actress. <laughs> On Wednesday... Yasmin and Zidane run into Kelly at Nina's Rolls. Yasmin asks how she can get in touch with Homeless Stew, but Kelly tells her to suck a big old bag of dicks. I'm not making it up. <laughs> That's what's in the notes. I'm not making you feel better for this, she says, and she storms out. Marion feels awful about the hurt that she's caused, plus she's lumbered with all her dad's affairs to deal with, and she proves this by having a big unorganised binder with her. Zidane goes off to have a word with Kelly, insisting that Yasmin feels awful about the Homeless Stew situation, and Kelly agrees to think about letting Homeless Stew know that Yasmin's sorry. And this is seen by Mariam hiding behind a bush. She jumps out and asks Zidane for help with Hashim's affairs. And on Thursday, Homeless Stew finds Yasmin outside Speeddal, and she apologises to his face, explaining her issues with trusting men. But she doesn't go into specifics about it. No. And nor need she. No. He accepts the apology but tells her that he thought she was different and saw beyond his homelessness and he walks sadly away to the tune of the Incredible Hulk. Yes. The Incredible Homeless Hulk. Yes. Which, yeah, he was kind of homeless at that point, wasn't he? Walking down the street with he, his, he was his a, stomach? Because a he drifter. was. Yes. He 
He's a drifter. Because there's no there's no place safe for the Hulk to lay his head. Much like uh, John Rambo. Yes. <coughs> the same person. Sad. Sad really what happened to... They treated him like a vagrant, really. Yeah. They drew first blood. Not yeah, him. that's right. They did. Justice for Rambo. Do you know... And the Incredible Hulk. First Blood is a cracking movie. And do you know what else? What? It's a really good book. Really? Mm. Mm. So anyway... <laughs> doing a shite in somebody else's... Bit Rambo never did that. Yeah, actually, I bet you did. He did. He's and, then, and then he blowtorched the place. <laughs> so no one would ever know. Right. That's what definitely happened. And then he set booby traps around the yard. At home, as they're made out of ch- no. At home, as they're checking the records, Dan and Mariam seem to make amends and put the past behind them. And then uh, this kind of takes a little Maria turn on Friday. Mm-hmm. So Maria and Gary beat Kelly to the barbers to open up, and as they do, homeless shoe staggers out and runs away without so much as a "How do you do?" Don't they have a back door? <laughs> Can't you hear people? No. Gary's about to engage in pursuit until Kelly tells them that Homeless Stew belongs to her. Yes. She explains that he needed just a place to kip and get better from that cough that, that still hasn't gone away. Mm-mm. Gary and Maria point out that it's a business that they're running, not a DOS house, and if anything was to happen insurance-wise, then they're not covered. Right. And it's not really their concern anyway. Kelly storms off, pissed at the situation. Maria feels awful and now wants to solve homelessness as well as air pollution. Yeah. Kelly and Addy find coughing homeless Stew in the community garden. He has no ill will towards Kelly and appreciates the roof that he's had for the last few weeks when he wasn't in the hospital. Kelly runs into the rovers where Billy is propping up the bar and asks for his help. He goes off to ring around some shelters but Yasmin overhears and asks if she can do anything to help. So homeless Stew meets up with Kelly and Yasmin and Nina's roles. Yasmin has offered up Tim's mum's spare room. The homeless Stu is like, nah, it's alright. He's not into making people feel better for the mistakes that they've made. But Kelly begs him <sighs> and talks him into it. <clears throat> and later, homeless Stu has some weeds for Yasmin as a thank you. He jokes that he hopes the Right, house- yeah. Those things were growing in December. Even with climate change, I find that hard to believe. Homeless Stu has some weeds for Yasmin. Oh, no, I've, just, I've literally just said You've that. You've literally just said that. And not the, not the proper weed. No. And it's goldenrod, which is not blooming right now in December. Thank you very much, Homeless Stew. He jokes that he hopes the house is spotless or he'll be complaining, and Yasmin is triggered and runs out. Right, he specifically mentions a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Because remember, Tim's dad... Tim's dad beat the vacuum cleaner up. He did. And then the vacuum cleaner beat Tim's dad up. But he also had a, a smaller vacuum cleaner to clean the big vacuum cleaner, <laughs> which is a bit Monica from Friends, but never mind. Alia explains to Tim's dad. Oh, pig's tits, says homeless Stu. And oh, he goes no. Off. Alia explains Tim's dad to Stu. Yes. And he goes off to couch stuff she's for not, a while. She's not explaining and things to ghosts. And he asks Alia to pass on his apologies. Fucking homeless people, says Kelly. <laughs> and later, Yasmin comes back to apologise to Kelly, but it's Kelly who wants to apologise because Tim's dad was before her time. Yasmin asks that Kelly tell homeless Stu that she still has some shifts at speed dial for him. Plus, she commands Kelly... Plus, she commends Kelly for her loyalty to Homeless Stew, and Kelly feels like she's finally getting over the dead Seb thing and being accepted on the street. Yes. But then we see Abby <sighs> and Kev have come back from wherever they were on honeymoon, and Kev goes off for some milk. Right, yes. Abby was going to go for milk in her 
cardigan on backwards and held together with safety pins. Which is just such a weird look. It's very fetch. <laughs> if you say so. I want to see you wear your cardigan backwards and held together with safety pins. My, my white cardigan? No. My special white reinforced cardigan? Your maroon one. With the buckles on it? Your maroon <clears throat> one that's hanging behind you right now next to your coat. Yeah, I realised that the the cardigan that I was wearing in my Chesney Hit Self and Face with Brick Day photograph uh-huh. is the same cardigan that I'm wearing in the banner for the talk <laughs> of the street. I have more cardigans, honestly. Do you? Yeah, one more, but unfortunately it's the same colour. <laughs> and then you have that, that hoodie that's the same colour as well. Anyway. And I also have a hoodie that same colour, and every time I wear my hoodie, you say, are you wearing my hoodie? And I was say, no, this, this one's mine. Was this a redemption for Kelly, finally? It does feel a bit like redemption, but unfortunately I have a feeling that... <sighs> That Abby's going to ruin that redemption, or or try to ruin that redemption, and just make herself look worse. Well, Abby is well within the rights not to forgive Kelly, right? And that's fine, right? Just steer clear of yeah. her. Yeah, but I that's mean, not what Abby does. Abby doesn't steer clear of things. Nina has forgiven her, right? And Asha, although it wasn't really Asha's job to forgive Kelly right. or anything, but you know she's she got back in she's got a job she's got a place to stay Mm -hmm. she's um people like her she's helping out people she's feeling some kind of altruistic desire to to help people people, yes not for her own personal gain i'm like sean but that's i'm like sean kelly doesn't forget her homeless friend right we've we've learned the show has learned from the homeless carol situation yes so she has gone i think some way to um, and also, uh, Abby so, is aware that Kelly did try to stop Seb from being kicked to death. She did try to stop it. She did. She did get in between Seb and ITV Corey's foot. Kelly and Abby can coexist on the street without having a have anything uh, to do with one uh, another, right? It's possible, but, but is, that going, that, is that the way it's going to happen? No, of no, course not. The way that's been set up there at the end is here is now the black cloud over over the Kelly situation yeah. is Abby and Kev, and possibly Kev as well. Probably not though. Kev doesn't give a fuck. No, but I really <laughs> like anything. I really like Mariam. I do too. She's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I, I want her to. I want her to stay. I want her and Zidane to get back together. That's not going to happen. But still, yeah, she's. You don't think it's going to happen? She's very nice. I think it will happen, and then it will immediately when she's going through all of that stuff of her dad's. When she discovers that Zidane was money laundering for her dad. You think he's got records of that? Well. Not like official records, but remember, she's basically got a scrapbook full of receipts See, and I, pieces of paper. I think it's the brothers that are going to be the stumbling block. They're in jail. Oh, maybe. Maybe they do end up in jail. They're in jail and they've confessed. Which I thought was quite convenient. Yes, I did too. But, I mean... But Lord, Lord knows like, we don't need another dragged out... I mean, it's just... Gangster storyline. Yes, please. No more gangsters. Yeah. No, I liked... I liked... I liked Yasmin's reaction to her 
I yeah. liked her reaction to Yasmin. I like yes. her. She seemed to be just there to get along with people. Right. She seemed nice. <laughs> right. Which, again, how did that happen in that family? Because, you know, you expect her to show up and yell at Zidane and be a harpy. Yeah. But she's the opposite of that. Yeah, I don't think she's really been described in very many terms, but that right. was definitely the... Insinuation. Yeah. That she was awful and that's why he cheated on her, because she was awful, because her whole family is awful. Right. Although we don't really know anything about their mother. I'm assuming she's dead as well. Of course she is. Of course she is. Dead mothers on the street. Mm-hmm. Owned by Disney. Dead mothers on the street. That was uh, Mick Jagger and <laughs> David Bowie, wasn't it? Probably. Dead mothers in the street. Just in case you didn't get that. <laughs> and and that was David Bowie that was singing that. Are you sure about that, Chief? Yeah. So anyway, let's move on <laughs> to oversharing Sarah. On Tuesday at the factory, Beth has been kept awake by Kirk's little donkey. She and Sarah encourage Michael to get back in the shagging game. In comes Adam, who doesn't work at the Which factory. Which was nice. And Beth quizzes him about his little black book. Adam claims that his nickname used to be Flora because he spread himself around so much. He spread his seed around so much. Sarah, ha, 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 ha. Sarah is unimpressed by this revelation. And back at the factory, Sarah is talking to the Lydia character from last week or the week before about her cycles again. Who is not married to Gavin, we no. find out. And now Adam was a bit of a shagger in his day. Apparently so was Lydia. And this is where a few alarm bells start to ring. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't it? Yes. Of course. <laughs> that was when it started to. I did like the whole banter with Michael in the beginning of the storyline. I have it to say, nice. it was nice. It was nice to see Michael interact with other people on the street. I'm yeah. always happy to see Bailey's interacting with other people on the street. Or remember that Michael works there, right? Yes. Michael has a job to and he's sell things and keep everyone else employed, basically, right? And talks to his co-workers occasionally on their tea break. Sarah and her new BFF head off for some mulled wine. And at the base row, Sarah's pissed off with Adam for being late and for being a bit of a shagger in his youth. Adam claims he just made an obnoxious joke because of Beth. Be angry at her. But now Sarah wants his number. Hers is 10. He pretends that he can't remember. He stopped counting at 20. You've slept with 20 women? He says no. He stopped counting at age 20. He'd already <laughs> slept with 20 women by the end of his first year at uni. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I stopped counting at 20. Age 20. Superb. Sarah realises that she's just made matters worse. I, I think you give him a, a big pass because he's Scottish. Well, that was a funny thing to say, wasn't it? It was a kind of Sam Malone thing to say. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sam Malone, a character, let's remember, created and written in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. But he was a tragic character. Yeah, but still, the the whole, you know, him spreading his seed around was... Not one of the great, not one of the finer Sam Malone points. It was better when he was monogamous with um, Rebecca and the other one. <laughs> and Helen's chosen mastermind specialised subject. <laughs> Rebecca and the Lydia other one. and oh. Sarah are getting on great guns. Lydia reveals that she has just moved to the area and her boy is in Bessie Street too. She goes off for her Uber just as Adam shows up and Sarah, pished, tries her Scottish accent again as she insists that she shagged tons of men since the last time she saw Adam. 
On Wednesday, Lydia, who doesn't work at the factory, comes into the factory to see if Sarah and Harry would like to grab some more mulled wine with her. And we get and to see Harry. Finn. We get to see Harry, and Harry says something. I don't know what Harry he says, speaks. but he says something. He's like, let's go. Sarah loves Lydia, her new best friend, and she quickly agrees, although she gives Lydia pause by insisting on dragging Adam along. Sarah and Lydia are getting wired Harry into mulled wine. Harry loves mulled wine. Again, when Adam comes along, she recognises him, but he doesn't recognise her. He thinks maybe he handled her divorce, but she says her last serious relationship was at Edinburgh Uni. And that's when young Finn shows up. Lydia yes. and Finn run off for something, leaving Sarah very suspicious and Adam very edgy. And he is forced to admit that he might well have been there. And Sarah is devastated because this has ruined her girl, girl crush. Yes. Later, Sarah and Adam are at the bistro and Adam has a gift for her. It's a list of a vague description of all the people that he's bonked. <laughs> Some comes, of them with names. <laughs> then in comes Carla, and Sarah realises that he's missed her from his precious list, but then her ovulation alarm goes off, so they postpone the blazing row to go off and get their hole. Right. On Friday, Adam and Sarah sneak into the rovers, avoiding being spotted by Gail and Audrey. Adam suggests having a Christmas alone together, as it might be their last one before a baby arrives. Sarah thinks this is a smashing idea. Just how do they tell it to the family? Mm-hmm. So Adam meets up with Ken to tell him about Christmas and Ken is very disappointed. It's an important Christmas for Peter. Adam thinks Carla might think differently but Ken cannot be dissuaded and he calls Adam a selfish prick. <laughs> right. Think of Peter's new liver and how disappointed that liver is going to be if you're not there. Yeah, that's better. Sarah turns up at number eight to tell Audrey and David about Christmas. Asking how she explains to Gail, Audrey reminds Sarah about the rota. She's on parsnip detail. David reminds Sarah about Natasha's dying, Gail's heart attack and the sinkhole this year. So good luck with that. Yes. Then Sarah and Adam meet up in the law office to discuss the Christmas stuff. A grieving child beats a liver transplant. Sarah suggests a dual family meal, but Adam doesn't think Daniel and David will play nice together. And that's as far as we get yeah, with that. They're, they're not going to pull, pull crackers together. Can you imagine them pulling crackers together? Coronation Street has leaked. Yeah, I don't know why it spoils itself. I really right. don't. But it, yes, there's a picture of a very long table with Audrey drunk on one Audrey end. Audrey slumped in a chair at one end and Ken looking like he's fallen asleep at the other end. So it looks like we and have a gathering of the clans. And then in between there's like Peter and David. And lots of empty chairs. And lots of empty chairs. <laughs> yeah. Ken looks like uh, Oscar Isaac in, in Dune at the end of the table. Only, <laughs> fortunately for us, Ken Barlow is completely clothed. Sarah does seem a bit disappointed that Adam has a has a higher number than her. She had to have known he would have a higher number she's, than her. Look at she's him. She's seen him, right? <laughs> she's seen him. Look at him. And, and she's heard him speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and and yet she's not so very disappointed and angry that she doesn't want to she that she stops wanting to have a baby with him, right? To the point where as soon as her ovulation alarm goes off, she wants to go right now to shag instead of finishing her dinner and going to shag because it's not like yeah. not like it's not like that egg is on a timer where if you don't go now, it's 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 a five minute it's for not an boiled. avocado. It's not going to spoil before you get it home from the grocery store. Right. I like where we're going, though, with with lots of this. I mean, I, I like I, I like this Lydia character. Me too. And I don't know if the... I don't know how the, ma- the math 
works out on this. And but are we meant to believe that Finn maybe might be Adams? Adams? I mean... She called him Finn. She gave him a Scottish name. Of course she did. So there's clue number one. Finn's a great name. But what age is Adam? And when would he have been at uni? Well, they... We know that they were at uni at the same time. But it this seems like he would be older because after... Was he there for his law degree or was he there for his... His first degree, like how, how, you know, because you, you, you do pre-law and then you do law and do the, or does it work the same way in the UK lawyering? We did an I think episode. He got, I think he got his law qualifications abroad because it was the whole thing about he wasn't really qualified in the UK. And yet he was still practicing law. Hmm. So I don't think that's why he was at uni. He first appeared in the show in 2001, age 12. So that means he was born in 89. So that means that he's 32. Uh, Finn looks to be 10. So that means 22. Yeah, he's the same, he age as, same age as Harry. Harry's not 10. That's what she said last week. Harry's... Harry, Harry was a baby when they got married. He could, or a toddler. He could barely toddle up the up the. That kid is not ten. Gavin said that his what? kid was ten, and she said it was four. Harry is not ten. That is not a ten. Remember when our children were ten? Did, were, were they that short and shout things out? She. He was born in twenty sixteen. So, so he's, he's five. <clears throat> yeah. Never ten. So I don't think that math adds up then. Oh no, because that's Harry. Right, yeah, and Gavin's son is Harry's age. We don't know how old Finn is. Finn is older than Harry. Finn looks about ten. Yeah. But proper ten, not not Jack ten. <laughs> no. That's... Not moustached. <laughs> well, a job. And a deep voice. And a 20 a day smoking habit. <laughs> no. I mean... So that would put him at about 22-ish. Put her at about 22-ish. Hmm. Which is university age, I guess. We just had the surprise son pop up with Sam. <laughs> that, is doesn't it? Stop it. that doesn't stop it happening immediately afterwards. Right, because we've had mothers dying left and right. Right. Still, it seems a bit too soon for yet. Because... Before Sam, we had the surprise of Emma being Steve's. Yeah. I, I don't think that Finn is Adam's, but I think we're going to be led, led to, to believe, believe that maybe he maybe might be. And maybe even Lydia thinks that Finn is Adam's. Mm. But it's going to turn out that he's not. Mm. Is this going to ruin Sarah and Adam's relationship? I think that's why Lydia's there. Because mm. while I don't think it's... It's, it's nice for uh, Sarah to finally have a friend her own age. It is. I don't think it's unreasonable for Adam not to remember a girl from 10 years ago that he right. hasn't seen since. Yeah. I think it's curious that she remembers him. I think maybe that that uh, shows the, the direction of affection a little, and a also, little clearly. And also maybe her number is smaller than his. Yeah. So. Two. 
She has fewer to remember. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. We'll see. I do like the idea of the clans coming together for Christmas. I think I think that spells drama. Hilarity will ensue. It spells hilarity and it spells drama. Right. Lots of great one-liners. There were lots of great one-liners this week. I thought uh, Damon Rochford wrote, was it Monday's episode? And it was just zinger after zinger. It was great. And we will get to, to one of them, which is my favourite one. Yeah, there were lots of zingers all week, I thought. Yeah, it was... Especially in David's mouth. Our next storyline this morning is Accidental Audrey. On Wednesday, Max's homeschooled homework on classic literature was on Downton Abbey. <laughs> because Gail didn't know that he was supposed to be reading a book. Yeah, and Max knows that. Yes. But then it kind of makes out that Max wanted to watch Downton Abbey, which... Right, which is know, also hilarious. David is furious and calls Max an idiot. That's going to help, telling him to read a fucking book. David thinks Gail has all the makings of a very inspirational teacher because she wants him... To, she want, He wants her to take over Max's yes. homeschooling. She's about to grieve when she gets a call letting them know that Audrey's been in yet another car crash. Yes. And later, Audrey and Gail get home. She's suffering from whiplash. David thinks Audrey is blind yes. and too big-headed to admit it. She's suffering from whiplash and isn't supposed to be moving her neck. They haven't given her a neck brace. No. She's just got a scarf. And yet I seem to remember pictures of her in a neck brace. Yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah. So what happened? <clears throat> because then she proceeds to move her neck throughout every scene she's in for the for the rest of the week. Right. On Thursday, uh, number eight, Sarah in leather trousers finds that Audrey's been in another car crash. What is it about you and Sarah's leather trousers? And tell her to get... Just a man And tells her to get her eyes tested Audrey blames the brakes and promises to get them fixed But privately she tells Gail she's worried about starting to lose her faculties She's a good age to start losing her faculties Right, yeah And to start worrying that her eyesight's going at the age that she's at Because she doesn't wear glasses And lots of blind people are shouting at their screens You can survive while being blind (laughs) Audrey gets all maudlin and Gail doesn't want to be asked twice to join in Audrey is terrified of losing her independence and her driving licence. It's a slippery slope and she doesn't want to be a burden to anyone. Gail thinks glasses might help, so Audrey agrees to arrange an eye test. On Friday, Gail and the Undertaker enjoy a drink in the Rovers. He asks her for advice on Eileen's Christmas present because he hasn't got a clue and he's asking Gail. Right, Gail well, suggests, they're cousins, Gail remember. Gail suggests a bag. To put over her head. For her head. <laughs> The Undertaker begs, so Gail agrees just as Audrey comes in to get fucked in the body before a ride test. And Gail and Audrey get home, Audrey immediately heads upstairs for a shite, and Gail is left to explain that Audrey has cataracts. David is unsympathetic, but Gail explains that Audrey is very upset and needs support, and also she's going to need to move in with them until her operation, and David, at this, is appalled. Where's she going to sleep? Right. With Gail. Right, heads to tails. What if the kids walk in and think that they're stepping into something from Stranger Things? Which doesn't make any doesn't sense. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Later, Audrey's on has the... Anybody, has anybody writing this show watched Stranger Things? Didn't sound like it. Later, Audrey's on the Vino talking to Max at length about hairstyles of the 50s and 60s. <laughs> this was my favourite part. But Max's question was about JFK. Yeah, who shot... What was the question again, love? Who shot JFK? <laughs> How did she get from the Kennedy assassination <laughs> to hairstyles to, through the ages? To, she seemed to be talking about especially fringes of the 50s and 60s. 
Right. That was hilarious. It was great. I loved it so much. And Max's face. Max's face as he was was just listening. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It was hilarious. I loved it. He tells her to head off for a nap, so she heads off to the rovers, allowing Max to ditch the homework and get on the computer with his mates. To kill zombies. David is furious when he tracks Audrey down into the pub and she's already pissed. He needed Max to finish his homework ahead of a school meeting that they had scheduled for tomorrow and now that that's fucked. Well, that's what you get for calling me Mrs Magoo, says Audrey. Right, yes. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes, and and going to pick up her things in garbage bags. He has a roll, a roll of black (laughs) bags. How many do I need or should I just take the whole roll? (laughs) And then she says, and then he's like, would would you rather I go around and get a coffin (laughs) to put all your things in? Because those are the options. A Those black are the bag only or a coffin? two things, a black bag or a coffin. Oh shit, I'm out of black bags. You got a coffin lying about? <laughs> and then the whole line about, you know, how are you going to take care of the parsnips? You know, if you can't tell parsnips from carrots. <laughs> right. David was just, just the whole family. I mean, I do get annoyed when all Audrey does is drink, but... <laughs> do you? I love that. Yeah, after a while, it gets kind of irritating. Like, shouldn't she have more substance than this? And then there was maths problems, and at that, Audrey's like, I'm out of here. It's interesting that we thought that the whole eyesight thing was going to be part of the Horror Nation Street stuff, which now feels like it was a very long time ago. Yes. And it was kind of forgotten. But it's come back up again, and I wonder wonder where we're going with this. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it just to get Audrey living at number eight? Because I don't think the fact that she doesn't live there really hampers the character any because she's always on the street. What should be happening here is that Gail moves in with Audrey because I'm assuming Audrey has more room than number eight does. At Grasmere Drive, the only person that's living there that we know of is Audrey. Audrey. On the entire street. Right. Didn't Johnny have a place there or was going to get a place there uh, no he was around the corner on Inkerman Street or something I think who knows it? still <laughs> just it reminds you how funny the plots are just that whole family is just even Max was delightful this week Max was hilarious yeah Max's reaction you know the, there's, the, the, there's the, the couple of things about about comedic Performances where right. you need to have the good delivery, obviously mm-hmm. that we've we've spoken about before, with people that have got good comic timing or great yes. comic timing, yes. and how how well they are at delivering those sort of lines. But then you you need somebody to react to it, right? And I think in in that that aspect, Max did a fantastic job he of did. just looking kind of looking at her. Because you can see the wheels great, turning in his head as he's trying to figure he, out what's going on. He had great timing too with, you know, he's got that brief pause before he says, who shot JFK? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just so deadpan with it. It was great. This is, this is the max I want, mm-hmm. you know? And then when, when he gets her to, to, to leave and he goes to sneak off and he's calling his friend and everything, I was like, oh God, what's going to happen now? What horrible thing is he going to do now? But then he's just a kid who goes to play computer games killing zombies with his friends right you know it's not so yeah i'm worried about that as well he's not a devious mastermind again right 
You know, he's just a kid who wants to play games with his friends. Our final story on this morning then is dying to get married. On Monday, Emma and Steve are talking about what a top fucking bloke Curtis is for doing this challenge thing when Tyrone comes along and asks Emma to look after the girls because the school heating has broken down again. The heating's constantly breaking down at that school. Hmm. Steve makes sure that Emma gets paid for it. At the flat, Hope and Ruby are ignoring Tyrone. Emma is making them sandwiches when she finds Curtis's pill box on the counter and she becomes frantic at the thought that he's been without his meds all weekend. Right, and Tyrone has found a, a soldier action figure who's the one who plays mother at the tea parties. Which I guess is a callback to Buzz Lightyear? No idea. Okay, Mrs. Tibbetts? I don't know. From Emma the first get- Toy Story movie? You think that they have never seen Stranger Things and you think that they can do ridiculously obscure Toy Story characters? I'm not sure. Buzz Lightyear is not ridiculously... Mrs. Tibbetts is. Buzz Lightyear is Mrs. Tibbetts. Remember? The bad little boy's sister? Mrs. Nesbitt, not Mrs. Tibbetts. Mrs. Nesbitt. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Buzz. Moving on. At the flat... You need to watch Toy Story again. Emma can't get through to Curtis. Gemma comes along and tells her that he probably has spares. Then Emma overhears a medical TV show that Hope and Ruby are watching. It's her favourite show. And recognises that the thing the doctor is saying on the show is word for word exactly the same as what Curtis said on the night of the storm after attending to Harvey months ago. So their favourite show is a medical drama and also a rerun? Right. As Emma is explaining this to Gemma, Ruby sneaks off and scoffs one of the pills. Oh, pig's tits, says Emma, whose day just keeps getting worse. Why on earth would Ruby do that? Why on earth would Ruby, who's not like a three-year-old toddler... Just walk up to a pillbox and say, I'm going to swallow one of these. Because of plot. They <sighs> contemplate how to make Ruby sick. Hope suggests one of Emma's sandwiches. I thought that was hilarious. Ignoring Gemma's sandwiches. F- Gemma's idea, making the sandwiches. Emma rushes to the medical centre with Ruby and the pills. And at the medical centre, a doctor goes away to analyse them. Uh, Emma only able to explain that for Curtis's very serious heart condition. Later, analysis complete, the doctor comes back to tell Emma that Ruby is fine, mainly because Curtis's pills aren't for a heart condition, <gasps> they're vitamins. <gasps> and the first clue was that they're in the shape of the Flintstones. <laughs> On Tuesday, Emma is so confused, can vitamins not stop you from dying then? The doctor makes his excuses and leaves. So Emma takes Ruby home with a clear bill of health. Tyrone uh, accuses Emma of dealing for Ruby and Emma is forced to admit that it wasn't heart medicine at all it was one of her own multivitamins so she doesn't blame Curtis she no. just says it one of her own Emma is in Nina's roles in a world of her own as Steve is having a shite Bernie has heard from Gemma about the medication stuff from earlier which Steve overhears and now he's worried that Curtis is on the three peaks without any uh, medication and it's fallen down a ravine Emma lies and says that she's heard from him and everything's fine and Bernie rushes off to the bathroom to make sure that Steve hasn't stolen the toilet paper. Yeah, that was kind of random, wasn't it? That was hilarious. It's a callback <laughs> to remember in the beginning of lockdown when everybody was does all it was was desperate for toilet paper. Emma is sitting in the dark when Curtis comes back because of drama. She shows him his pill tray that he left, and after a beat, he claims that he had a couple of spares with him. She gets him to agree that these are life-saving pills, and then hits him with a follow-up: "Vitamins can save your life." Hmm. Curtis plays dumb, so Emma tells him about the doctor testing the pills and, co- and, and finding out what they were. 
thinking on his feet. Kurtz claims that he's on a uh, homeopathic homeopathic regimen. And what the fuck do doctors know anyway? And how dare she call him a liar? (gasps) The next day, Emma has had a bad night. So Curtis, who now feels like his kidneys are packing in, blames the pills and all this tension, so Emma promises that she trusts him. He heads off for a shower and she checks his laptop, which is open on a howtopretendyouhavekidneyfailure.com <laughs> page. <clears throat> Emma goes to see a Curtis's specialist who wants to know what Curtis has told her. She explains about the heart condition and the kidney condition and the doctor tells her to speak to him. He needs to be the one to tell her that he's a fraud. Right, and also privacy. (coughs) Yeah. So Emma gets on the phone and calls Neville via Curtis's cousin. So Emma meets Neville, who still looks like Kevin his wedding day, in Dina's roles. He's amazed that they're getting married. He thought that they'd split up. Emma asks about Curtis's condition. And Neville tells her to run a fucking mile (laughs) and not stop running. He also reveals that he's Curtis's actual dad, not stepdad. Emma is so confused and scared and begs for help. And at home, Curtis has just pledged four grand to Oliver's fund, bringing up to a nice round 100,000. He throws himself on Emma when she gets home, telling her that the doctors have confirmed that his kidneys really are fucked. He doesn't know what to do with the time that he has left. She tells him that he's not dying and she knows that there is nothing wrong with him. He continues to try to gaslight her, demanding to know uh, who she spoke to, and she admits that she spoke to Kevin his wedding day, and he confirmed that he's been like this, Curtis has been like this, for years. She gives him one more chance to tell the truth, and he finally admits that he's not dying. Meanwhile, Steve rushes into Nina's Rose to tell Tracy that Curtis has, has donated four grand, and Oliver's fund has made its target. Curtis really is the best guy in the world on the street ever. <laughs> Curtis says that it started with his folks splitting up but coming back together again when he had his hole in the heart thing, which was an actual thing. He thought being ill gave them a reason to stay together, but it didn't work. They still divorced, but everyone made a fuss over him and it made him feel special. It went too far to switch off. Oh, and by the way, he was never a medical student, neither. Emma feels <sighs> like she doesn't know who he is anymore. She says he deceived her and her family and blew Steve's money on tests that he didn't need. He maintains that he still loves her, he never lied about that, and he promises to get help. She hopes he does, but she can't be part of it, and she takes off his ring, telling him to be gone by the time she gets back. And at that, I'm like... Oh, okay. But this is not happening at the end of an episode. This is the sort of thing that would happen at the end of an episode. So the fact that it happens kind of midway through an episode, you think, this is not going to stick. So Emma goes to number one to speak to Steve, who's squeezing himself into his wedding tux. That was hilarious. He, he claims he's a 34-inch waist. <laughs> Anyone who's seen uh, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here will yeah. know that that man is not a 34-inch waist. <laughs> Emma starts to get upset. Steve tells her that she's given Curtis a reason to live and congratulates Curtis for raising so much money. He wants to take the two of them out for dinner. Curtis is still packing when Emma gets home but not like that. She asks him about the money and he says that he hadn't got round to it. She explains about the dinner invitation and she seems more willing to give Curtis another chance if she can be sure that there are no more lies. He says he's already been referred to a psychiatrist in the last hour that she can come to the appointment and there's nothing that he's lying about anymore. Well, Dr. Handy had already given him a psychologist referral and he'd refused to go. So now he's, 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 changed his mind. Fair enough, she says, and he starts to wonder what lie he can spin her family about all this, but she demands the truth as soon as the wedding is over. Ugh. 
No, Emma, that's not how this works. The fact that you says to her, so what can we tell your, your parents that isn't true about this? How, how can we explain this away? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. such red flags. Emma! So Curtis and Emma meet up with Steve at the bistro with Champers from Leanne, who's so pleased because of the Oliver Fun thing. Right. Tracy calls him a hero for doing Which that. Which is the only reason why Leanne is working today right. at the bistro. <laughs> right. Tracy calls him a hero for doing that while on death's door, and he pats his heart and says it, is, it hasn't packed in yet, and Emma is already looking like she's regretting her decision to forgive. Mm-hmm. On Friday, at Nina's Rolls, Emma's proud that Curtis is going to spill his guts, literally, to a stranger. Emma's going to be with him every step. Then Tracy arrives for Emma's all-day hen-do. <clears throat> Emma uses a wedding pho- photographer excuse, but we'll catch up with him later, despite not knowing who was invited. She had no idea the thing was a thing or right, who was yeah. going. No, they tend to be a surprise, <clears throat> don't they? No. I have no idea. At the therapy session, Curtis opens up about his life of deceit. He doesn't know if he can or want to stop because he loves the attention and the sympathy. The, ther- the therapist asks how that makes him feel quite a lot. Yeah. For once, he feels glad that Emma has found out and Emma smiles, but not really. After the session, Emma has deliberately forgotten the jacket that she had on, so she goes back after Curtis has left and explains her struggles to the therapist. Can the therapist help him because she doesn't know if she can trust or marry him tomorrow? Right. The therapist says that she can try and it's good that he's looking for help. Right, yeah. But, but- also... <laughs> Maybe don't marry him yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. Back home, Emma's getting ready for her hendo, even though Mary is already wasted. She tells yeah. Curtis that he needs to get his arse into gear and off to his stag do. They seem to be green for go for the wedding tomorrow. Yeah. The hendo has made it to the Christmas market smalled wine stall. Mary's at the crying stage of drunkenness and has to be removed by Tracy. They're really getting their money's worth out of that mulled wine stall, aren't yep. they? It's everyone's now addicted to warm wine. <laughs> Amy is excited because she's named a star for Emma and Curtis and now Emma is the one who's running off crying. Amy follows Emma back to the flat and upset, Emma explains the situation. Curtis is a lying, not dying scumbag. But I'm still marrying him tomorrow. Tomorrow. Amy wants to kill. There's a special place in the hell for people like Curtis and Emma explains that it's a mental disorder and they'll come clean after the wedding. Amy, voice of the audience, can't believe that this is still going ahead and reckons Curtis might actually be calling from Stoke. Emma swears Amy to secrecy. Amy doesn't think Curtis deserves Emma and advises that she walks away, but she agrees to the sham and warns that when it comes out, everyone in the family is going to hate Curtis. Right, yeah. So maybe don't marry him or maybe tell people Tomorrow. now. Yeah. Curtis is stagged at the bistro with Steve and Ken and belatedly Peter. <laughs> it reeks of death. Steve promises to get drunk on Curtis's behalf. He'll be his designated liver, and he asks Ken, or Ken is told that he's going to be Peter's, Peter's. designated liver. So Steve and Ken hit the tequila, and right. Ken looks like he's enjoying this very much. Yes, yes, twenty. Very refreshing. I've never heard tequila being called refreshing, refreshing before. Yeah, and uh, Peter, Peter, and Steve have a wager about. You know, who's who's going to drink whom under the table? Right. But Steve thinks he's going to drink Ken under the table. Right. Steve is mullered when he and Curtis get back to number one. Steve suddenly remembers that he was supposed to pay the 100 grand to the charity today and he's too pushed to do it now, so he gives Curtis his bank card and pin and asks him to do it, especially as he raised the last bit. Then Steve collapses on the couch as Curtis eyes up the card and the bank details. Mm-hmm. When he gets back to the flat, Emma's in a bad mood about the lying stuff and asks for Curtis's patience. She pretends that she still wants to marry him. 
she heads off. He hums a happy wee tune to himself as he logs into Steve's mobile banking app and spies the account balance he hums, that's sitting over £100,000. He hums three kings because of the, the pin number. No, three lions. Three lions, yes. That's what I meant. Lions are kings. They're kings of the jungle. Yeah, we that just... desperate, desperate... <laughs> clawing because, to, to not admit that you got something because wrong. Because apparently Tim and Steve have the same pin number and you know that because Tim hums three ki- three lions. <laughs> determined to oh. call us three kings. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Yes. Can we just get rid of Curtis? <laughs> Seriously. I, I don't know if I, He I, was... He was... He, it, they're, they're doing the same thing that they did to ITV Corey where... The longer it goes on, the more evil he looks. Yeah. Like they've given him a... a because remember in the beginning where he was so sweet and and kind and, and boyish. And now he's got this weird facial hair. <laughs> That's and, a beard. <laughs> right. But it's like a... um, a, What is that called? It's not a Van Damme. It's a... Van Dyke. Yeah. He's got this Van Dyke thing going on. <laughs> like Satan. Yeah. And he's got like the shaved head thing that Gary used to have that has fortunately grown out a bit, so it looks better on Gary, but it looks horrible on Curtis. Yeah. I'd, I'd, and is his hair darker now? It seems like up, yeah. it's getting blacker no, as it he, goes along. Having his beard, I've had a just for men moment, definitely. <laughs> but I, I keep on saying on Twitter, are you sure, Curtis, are you sure you aren't just out for revenge? And at the end, you think, well, maybe... Is after the money, but the amount of things that have to happen mm-hmm. to get him into the position where he's standing with the bank details, right, are so ridiculous. The chain of events so that have to happen is so why impossible. Doesn't, why doesn't Why doesn't Steve say, "Oh, I forgot to do this. Oh well, I'll do it in the morning." Right, because it doesn't I'll, have I'll, to be right now. It'll just be a day late, or I'll do it before the banks open. I can do it at, right, at yeah. four o'clock in the morning when I wake right. up for a pee. But he's drunk, so he's doing stupid things. So, yes. Yeah, what so, is going on here? So Steve here? has to get drunk, but has to to be so drunk to not do it himself, and also be so drunk to ask Curtis to do it. It doesn't work. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so. So, if, so it feels like it's, it's not just ill. It's not just pretending to so be it, ill. It feels gonna, like there's something else going on as well. It, that feels like it's a bit of revenge. Is he going to steal the money and then take off and not marry Emma? Well, why? Why does he? Why does he need to steal all this money? What would the end be if he's not stealing the money? But what is the end? What would the end be if he does steal the money? Because it's going to be found out like almost immediately. immediately. Right. So why? What's the point? I've no idea. And it's not just factitious disorder. Earth, who on earth on this show researched facetious disorder and thought this is what it is? Because there's so many things that it's just like, this. what is going on here? I don't know. He's I'm... just a marine biologist. That's all it is. Although it, it, it does make sense that he would have developed this facetious disorder as a reaction to his parents breaking up. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. That, that, that checks out. But... For it to have gone on so long and for it to be at a point where he's, where he knows he's lying. Yeah. 
Where are you standing now on Emma? Because I'm running out of patience with her unwillingness to use common sense. Well, she initially does. She initially says, all right, I want you out. Go away. And the last scene. And the fact that all it takes is to find out that he donated the four grand. And that's also kind of suspect, too, because isn't four grand exactly how much... Steve gave him for the specialist. It's round about that, I think, yeah. Yeah. Four or five. So you'd think that she'd be like, wait a second. And yet, let's also remember, this is a character who has been through it mm-hmm. with men over and over and over again. So at this point, she's so desperate for love. Right. That it seems like it's kind of believable that she would overlook this if he promises to get, he's promising to get help. So she's like, okay, well, you know, at least it's not another woman as it was with Chesney and Seb and David. You know, yeah, a, a disorder is something that it kind of feels like she's like, well, maybe this is something that I can defeat because it's not another person. I'm just very close to the hell mend phase where, you know what, I, I really don't care if you marry him or not, because at this point it becomes partly your fault. Yeah, I still feel bad for her because she keeps getting stuck with these damp squibs. Yeah, and the, the, the pace towards this wedding feels so rushed. Let's not the, forget, Gemma and Chesney are still engaged. Yeah, Fizz and Tyrone, I, I presume well, they've broken that off now. Well, but, yes. But they were engaged for years. Yeah. You can get married at the drop of a hat. Unless unless you have with, four with, kids together. no money. Yeah. You don't have enough money to slab some paint on your walls. You have money to get <laughs> can't married. Don't buy a roll of wallpaper, but you can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't get some wallpaper remover. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, try as I might. I mean, I thought, I thought he did a. I thought the character, I thought the actor did a, a, a good job with the the therapist, and and I kind of felt his. The therapist was awful, though. Yeah. I How could... does that make you feel? <laughs> kind of felt the pain of it uh, and the embarrassment of it quite well, but try as I might, I still don't care. I still don't nope. care. Nope. Probably care even less now. Oh, well. That was the week that was Coronation Street. It was. Oh, a strange week. A fun week, though. Like you said, there was a lot of fun lines in it. Hmm. What was your moment of the week? Who shot JFK? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Max and Audrey. <laughs> That was so good. That was so good. At least he got she got Max's name right. I'd have been funny if you hadn't, but you know, we're we're, we're nitpicking at this point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Just the comedic timing between the two of them was great. The look on Max's face, but you know, the what? way Audrey's going on about hairstyles, and you're like, what on earth could they have been talking about to get to this point? But see, this is where I think it really made it for me was that as soon as you know what she's talking about <laughs> you know that that's not what he's talking about no. it, and it's just how long can she keep talking about this <laughs> before somebody says something which turned out to be quite a while 
because that's why I loved it. Audrey, explaining about haircuts of the 50s and 60s to a disinterested Max is our... Moment of the week. And deservedly so. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Tyrone accusing Emma of murdering or attempting to murder Ruby. Mm. That was just, it was unnecessary because obviously she wouldn't have done that intentionally. It was the accusation that uh, she was a drug dealer for her. Right, yeah. That was kind of of ridiculous. Uh, The Tim and Gary's Oasis chat. No, because that was kind of funny. I kind of enjoyed that. Daniel and Ken sitting in the bistro. <laughs> it's got to be Daniel and Ken sitting in the bistro, right? Talking about teaching. Yes, and, and Ken explaining once again how hard teaching is and how you have to be careful. Daniel, he's explaining about the, the whiteboard and how right. people had scribbled accusations and stuff. Lock your door when it's empty. Mm-hmm. You he leave your room. He leaves his jacket in that room all the time as well. Maybe he keeps his wallet in his back pocket. Yeah, I don't actually don't think we've given it to, to Daniel in a while. We haven't given it to Ken. Yeah, because this is when Ken was boring. He was funny in the stag do one, calling tequila refreshing. Right. That was hilarious. I loved that. But yeah, just Daniel and, and Ken sitting in the bistro talking about teaching. Yeah, that's it. Boring moment of the week. We've rambled on for quite a bit longer than we normally do, so let's wrap this one up. Do you think you could drink Ken under the table? <laughs> Write to us and then seek help. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can check me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's Please. ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links Please. to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Please. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we'll be back next week on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day in the morning. With more. I'll talk of the street. The talk of the street. Cheerio. Bye.